All right, hello, what's going on? It's Rich Ryan here. This is Reinforced Running Podcast. What's up today? We have a guest, super special guest, Corinna Coffin. Corinna's been on the show a couple of times now, always one of the most popular guests that we have. We do a deep dive on nutrition. She's so well-versed in this area that it's I, that I just love talking to her, get able to, to nerd out about some of the nuts and bolts of nutrition that we both deeply believe in. And Corinna and I have something that we're kind of cooking up to help the hybrid athlete, the OCR athlete, improve their performance based on nutrition. So we're going to have a little bit of a collaboration going on. We talk about it toward the end of the episode. You can check the link down in the show notes. If you're interested in some specific nutrition guidance when it comes to performance for hybrid, DECA, Hyrox, OCR, all the things where you need to be fast and strong. That's where Corinna specializes in. So we're going to try to give you something that we think will be helpful to you. We also talk about Corinna's path to recovery after a torn ACL and how nutrition kind of plays a factor to all that. So if you're into this style of podcast, I think you're going to love this one. Let's just do it. All right, we're on. Corinna Coffin is here. Hello. How are you today? Hey, Rich. I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Doing great as well. Uh, So you're kind of coming off of a pretty traumatic injury right now. And from what I've seen, you know, we chat here and there, but and I follow you as a competitor. So how's rehab going? What Let's just fill people in on what's been going on with you. Yeah, gosh, I know. It seems, honestly, it's it's been slow but fast. Like I, it seems like it wasn't too long ago, but then it also feels like ages ago, you know? So I, um, I tore my ACL in a competition July of last year, end of July. And um, I was doing a tactical games competition. And funny enough, it was... Um, so the tactical games is a combination of shooting. So firearms and fitness, it's kind of like CrossFit strongman OCR plus shooting With guns. Yeah. <laughs> and this has been totally a new space for me. I popped into it beginning of last year. Um, my husband will tell you that I was never wanted anything to do with firearms before last year. It was actually the Spartan games, mm. um, Spartan games two season two, where they had us do because it was sponsored by Air Force Special Warfare, yeah, Air Force Special Warfare recruiting. They came up with this event that was, you know, had to do some rifle shooting, very short range, and then to do some dummy drag. Except it wasn't a dummy; it was an actual one of the airmen mm-hmm. who was kitted up and weighing a lot, and we had to carry him down and back on this range, and then shoot again, and then carry this you know, kind of strongman stone down and back and then shoot again. And then we ran up this mountain with a ruck and, you know, it was all for time. So it was really kind of that, that experience where I was like, wow, shooting's actually, it's so cool in this, in this type of scenario, because um, I'd been to the shooting range a couple times and really like, it was cool, but I think combining it with the fitness element and realizing, whoa, like you have to slow down and like get in tune with your breath and, like try to recover as quickly as possible to be very accurate. And then you got to go and get your heart rate up again and do all this crazy, like lifting and running. I just thought it was such a cool combo. And so from there I met Tim Szymanski, who was part of the, um, part of the Spartan games too. Like, I think they brought him on cause he was a tactical games athlete. Mm-hmm. The wad doc. The wad doc. Yeah. yeah. And so, so anyway, so he let, let me borrow, all of, I didn't have any gear, like no farms, no, my husband lent me some of his stuff, but, um, like didn't own any 
guns. And so I went to my first tactical games in March of 2022. So a couple months later and just drank from a fire hose, like all weekend long, just um, doing their first event. And it was so much fun. Um, so anyway, fast forward like that year, the 2022, I was doing my second event in, in Oregon and how those competitions are broken down. It's two full days of, of workouts. So there's four events on each day and it, there's always at least one completely just physical floater event where it's worth half the points, but it's only, there's no shooting. And of course I get excited about these cause I can actually do those pretty well. Um, yet in the, yet in the shooting and my scores go down, but we're, we're working on that. Getting so there. I really had this like quick down and back O course and I was so pumped for it. They had like you need to jump up over these tables and roll over them. And then they had a 10, like I think, or maybe it was a nine foot wall. And then, um, you know, just quick, like sub one minute down and back. And, um, you have to wear a kit. You have to wear like a plate carrier in the tactile games, only 12 pounds for girls, 15 for guys. But, um, I remember like being excited about this and I wanted to get the fastest time. So, you know, I did my classic get up over the wall, like f- do that front flip over the wall, to, you know, looks cool, saves time. <laughs> and I remember landing and I was like, damn, that was kind of a hard landing. Like I didn't counter, I didn't factor in, I was wearing a weight vest. It was uh. a pretty big drop and I was landing in kind of uneven soft sand. So then I finished, go down the end, turn around. I'm sprinting back, have to go over the wall again. And I launched myself over the wall a second time and just the landing, like I landed, my knee just collapsed inward, felt it just go completely unstable. And I knew instantly like something was really wrong. Oh. But then I kept, you know, I kept going, finished the, you know, finished rolling over the table. So it was a little painful. Um, and, you know, like after that, I was like, holy cow, what just happened? Like, this was not good. I've never injured myself really um, to that extent. Pop some Motrin and Tylenol, wrapped the crap out of it, finished out the last two events. <laughs> went, went back out there, rubbed a little dirt on it. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Maybe I imagined that. <laughs> It'll be fine. If I keep going, Some and sometimes that works. Like, honestly, like I've had I'm injuries fine. and I just like, eh, I'm going to race race and see what happens. And then it's gone. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but not this time. It doesn't sound like that's, that, that well, was so this type of injury. It was funny because like they there's heavy carries that they're big on like the big 100 pound 150 pound sandbag carries mm-hmm. um they have like axle bars um which you do a lot of like front carries searcher carries overhead carries so they had all of that in these last two events and i remember like being really nervous about the cleans and i wasn't trying to be an idiot doing this i was just like you know what i came here i want to compete i want to finish out the weekend even if um i didn't really know the severity of it but i was like you know what? if i'm not making it worse if i can be smart like it feels pretty good when i'm walking linearly and stuff then i'll just continue on to the extent that i can and so you know i was able to pick up the sandbag i was able to clean a barbell one time <laughs> and carry it and i finished out the event and um and then the next <laughs> the next morning every, or the, that evening everything wore off and mm-hmm. I was in excruciating pain, knew something was wrong and got an MRI the next day and yep, full, full tear. So that's like worst case to like, you figure, was that, was that your thought right away? Cause I've heard no. ACL stuff like, yeah, it, it like apparently the, the, you can tell me like the surgery is and the recovery from the surgery is what's really kind of immobilizing, but yeah. where you're actually when it's torn, it's more, yeah, it's just like, it's just not stable feeling like right. 
So right, exactly. So so actually, like because I felt good afterwards. I remember. <laughs> I wish I could go back in time and like, um, like and have a recording of what I was saying. But everyone's just like, "Hey, like I heard you hurt your knee. Like you're gonna be okay. Like this was that day." And I was like, "Yeah, it'll be good. I just need the end. Of, like I just need a couple days. To let it recover. All this stuff." So yeah. <laughs> as the day went on, and as I was kind of back into competing, I was like. I think I'll be like, I don't, maybe this, I was just trying to give myself the best case scenario. I was like, you know what? It's probably okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like I had to get wheelchair service the next morning at the airport to fly home. I had my big rifle case that I was traveling with and, and I was like, man, I can't, I can't carry anything. I can't, I can't even move. So, um, I actually went to the ER that day because I couldn't get a doc appointment for like a month. And I was like, okay, well (laughs) we need to do this ASAP. And so, Husband took me to the ER and um, we got the MRI, but we didn't get the results back for a week, actually. So I had kind of like convinced myself, you know, it's going to be okay. And so it was kind of soul crushing all over again, like a week later to really to hear that, oh my gosh, like it is a full tear, you know, like, oh, it, maybe it's a partial tear or sprain or something. Right, right. And like, did it fe- start to feel any better or was the pain just always kind of there? And you were just kind of handling it more yeah. each day? You know, it wasn't like, you know, I was definitely definitely limping everywhere, but I think I, you know, I wasn't on crutches. I was still able to like weight bear a little going to up and like going up downstairs was, was uh-huh. really painful. Um, but yeah, I kind of had an idea after a couple of days. I was like, yeah, this isn't getting much better, but, um, cause yeah, as, as an athlete, I'm sure. And the different avenues that you've been in, you've probably had little setbacks here or there that you can kind of, either recover from or have some sort of uh, tactic to get through it. And then right. it eventually does kind of get better. And there's, Oh, yeah. and I found that's what a lot of high level training is, is just kind of mitigating these aches and pains and just making yeah. sure that you catch something before it turns into something full blown. And a lot of it's right. on the endurance side is overuse. It's rarely right. a trauma like what you had. Right. So I could just imagine feeling the same way. It's like, you know what? Let me just try foam rolling this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maybe a little ice and act though. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it should be fine. <laughs> but you know what? Now, so, you know, I didn't really know. I, you know, I've known no ton of people who have torn their ACLs and had a lot of knee, tra- like trauma to the knee. Um, but, you know, until like it happens to you, you're like, now you're fully invested in the process. For sure. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? So what they have you do now is like, they actually don't want you to do surgery right away. Cause I remember like, okay, how soon can I get surgery? Like I need to do this ASAP need to want to get back. Like don't want to have this long recovery time. Um, and they were, you know, docs, like I want you to at least give yourself six weeks before we have surgery mm-hmm. because we want to get the swelling down. We want to get your range of motion back pretty, like, you know, we want to get as much range of motion back as possible before surgery, because then you have the most likelihood of regaining that that full range of motion afterwards if it's too swollen if we operate too soon then you might not get it back and so i was like man okay so i gotta wait some time and then at that point my husband and i were doing our we'd already been married but we were doing our wedding ceremony like two months later so i was like well i'm not gonna wait six weeks and then get get my surgery two weeks before our wedding so i had to get it pushed back so i ended up actually um so toward july 31st August, September, October 7th was when I, um, was when I finally got surgery. So, huh. And, uh, and, and with like the swelling going down that is it just that they, they can then perform a more effective surgery because it seems like your recovery. Cause if you go, cause don't they usually say like a year 
is what the recovery piece is going to be from surgery. Yeah. And well, it kind of like, they're like six to nine months is super early, like, super soon, but they were like, kind of like that nine to 12 month range is really when like you might actually, you know, get back into your, your sport. Um, and that's on like, you know, that's, that's generous. I think it just, it's really depends on the individual, but in my mind, I was like six months. Okay. Like to make it do. (laughs) (laughs) If it's possible, we're going to try. I know. And then, you know, you have that athlete brain where you're like, well, that's for most people. So it's like, that ain't me. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think it is like, it must be the operation. It's, it's, it's hard to know. I guess I, I should have asked more questions around that, but, um, but what I will say is that in that two and a half week time frame, um, or sorry, two and a half month time frame before I was able to get my get my operation, I was back to running. Like I mean, and actually Robert Killian um, was he was cool. He messaged me like after I'd torn it and whatnot. And he said that he's like he, he tore his ACL and like never got surgery. He's like there's there's copers and non copers, and so there's individuals who can still perform at a really high level with an AC, a torn ACL. And, you know, it's not, I don't know, that's necessarily like ideal. You can't really, you don't right. really know if you're a coper or not until like that six month mark. And to me, I was like, if I wait six months and realize, yeah, like I can do all the stuff, like, but not at a hundred percent, like I'm never going to be a hundred percent. And I was like, I don't want to want to be six months in and be like, all right, now I need to get surgery. Right. So right, for right. me, it was just like, I'm going to do well. surgery. Yeah. And for someone like uh, when did Killian do that? He mentioned when he did tear his ACL. I think it was, it was, um, the year of his world champion, like before his like huh. world winning world championships, or maybe it was the year after, like be- before his, I don't know. It was maybe it could, maybe it wasn't in that time frame, but it was, it was definitely around that time frame where I think he still performed, you know, really well. Afterwards. He, he was probably looking at it. Like even when he won his second world championship in Tahoe, when was that? 20, when was it? His first one was fifteen or sixteen, and then he ran. He won a second one in nineteen, I think, eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. Um, but even then, he's kind of toward the twilight of his career, right? Right. So he's probably looking at it that way. It's like I don't have, I don't have nine to twelve months to right. chill and start over. Yeah. Yeah. Or someone like you, you still have a lot of life on the athletic side, where it's like, let me just knock this out, right? And just right. get and and for, get through this and be better. And for me, like you know, I'm I'm not you know, my, my number one priority, like, yeah, so we want to be competitive and compete, but like, I'm not necessarily chasing world titles that time is of the essence. Like I'd much rather put in the the effort now, do it right and have many more years ahead of me to do whatever it is I want to do than feel like I've just got a certain amount left in the tank. And then after that, it's like, um, I'm done. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. Yeah. And one, one thing that we're going to talk about at length today's nutrition. I mean, that's what you're known for. I think you do it the best out of anyone in, in our space of like this kind of hybrid OCR, all of that. Um, so I do want to dig into that, but that's something that I know I would be the most concerned about. Maybe not anymore, but when I was younger, I'd be really mm-hmm. worried about my body composition. I'd mm-hmm. be like, Oh my God, like I need the training to physically feel and look the way that I think I need to, to then perform mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of work to get my body to a place that I feel is ready to compete at my best. Like I said, mm-hmm. I've, I've gone through a lot of different, I've learned a lot since then. And I feel like now would be able to manage it a little bit better, but mm-hmm. I know I would have a hard time 
when I was younger, like really trying to wrap my head around like, well, what does this mean? Is Am I going to get fat <laughs> kind yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. Am I going to lose all this muscle? So when this happened to you, how did you kind of change things from that end? Was that something that you thought about or were you just so equipped with the skills and the knowledge to, to, to manage it that you're like, I'm going to be fine? Yeah, it's it was such a it's such a roller coaster um to to some degree especially initially like you know after the after the actual tear you know you're you're hurting pretty badly and you know you're you've got a lot of question marks and you know of course you've got one leg or one knee out of commission so um a lot of it was just being creative with movement though and trying to figure out it's like okay well it's one leg right we've we've seen time and time again these athletes who are still able to modify um movements and do things you know with their upper body and core and you know one leg and so you know my husband's really creative with his workouts and helping me and he's very very um, helpful with, you know, coming up with ways where, I mean, at that point it wasn't training. It was just like, how do I move? How do I stay right. active and, and stress challenge my body, um, without damaging, you know, my, my injured, my injured limb. So, you know, I remember like I was doing a lot of, uh, seated strength training. I think honestly, like doing being a hybrid athlete is like one of the, just the gifts of being an athlete who enjoys doing so many different Mm. um, things, you know, from strength training to endurance training is like, it really builds out your um, movement repertoire. You know, it's like, you're, well, you're not just limited to powerlifting. You're not just limited to running. You're, you, you can do all these different things. It can be, you know, I'm hopping in the pool and I'm, I'm swimming for a period of time and not using my legs, you know, or just, you know, using like the little pull buoy in between your legs, or it's doing a lot of seated, like, um, bodybuilding type stuff, or it's using machines. It's, um, you know, and, and so I feel like because I've been doing so many different styles of, of movement and exercise over the years, I just felt like I still had so you know, to be a little creative, of course, but I felt like there was still so much I could do. Um, so on the nutrition side of things, it was really, um, you know, after an injury, it's, it's hard because I think people initially have that thought of like, Oh my God, like I'm not gonna be able to do anything or like my, my activity is going to decrease substantially. I don't want to get fat, you know? And mm. of course, like we don't want to put on additional fat mastering that time to, um, that's just going to make it harder for that limb or for that sure. point, right. It's going to be, it's going to put additional load that, you know, is undesirable if we're trying to, uh, you know, rehab and get that, get back to, um, you know, healing a hundred percent. But at the same time, we we also need to, we have to need to realize that like when your body has, um, you know, is, is stressed when your body is fighting, um, and is healing like that process increases our energy needs. And I think a lot of people, of course, we have Mm -hmm. to factor in increase in certain nutrients and energy and, and calories to an extent because our body is working so hard to fight this inflammation and repair but at the same time, our energy expenditure is decreasing. So it's it doesn't mean you're just increasing your intake, um, but you also aren't just dr- taking a huge hit to your intake because you still have to account for increased needs. Right. 
for the repair process. So it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit tricky. You have to be, you know, it's important to kind of have a good baseline awareness of like, okay, what was my training volume like before this injury? And what is it dropping down to? And sometimes it takes, you know, some days or a week to figure out like, okay, what does fitness look like? What does movement look like now that I'm injured? And, and how big of a drop did I experience from an expenditure standpoint? And, Mm -hmm. you know, but we still need to fuel appropriately. So for me, having like a meal and snack schedule, like that's just something that, you know, it doesn't change a ton across day to day. Right. Like, um, and, and I always work with my clients to establish a bit of a routine so that it's not just a free for all every day when it comes to nutrition, like, Oh, today, like I'm going to have breakfast. And then the next day, like, yeah, you know, probably not going to eat till noon. And then, and then, you know, it's like, we need to have some sort of consistency and schedule. Doesn't mean that the meals and snacks themselves can't take, can't take, change or take shape into something, you know, that's more along the lines of our needs, right? We can have breakfast every day. Some days it might need to be more carb heavy if we're working out afterwards mm-hmm. or we have a high volume training day in general. But, you know, if we're injured, still have breakfast, but maybe it's more of an emphasis on protein. Our protein needs increase during, um, during trauma and injury and rep- in the repair and healing process. Um, maybe we need more micronutrients. Maybe we need more fruits and vegetables and more of our carbs are coming from you know, very whole food focused, um, minimally processed carb sources, and maybe the portions a little bit smaller. And that goes for every, you know, lunch, dinner, snacks. Um, so I really think focusing on like keeping things as much the same as possible, keeping your routine the same, and just really looking at that meal and snack individually and determining, well, now I don't really need the a pre-workout snack or a fueling snack mm-hmm. in the middle of my afternoon. I just need something that's going to keep me satisfied and contribute you know, toward my overall, you know, nutrient intake for the day. Yeah. That's a couple of, that's a really great point on that. You can't just cut calories to the point of just like your BMR or or whatever, right? Like you, you are still healing just how, like when you do a lot of squats or a lot of lunges, you are creating damage and you need to eat to essentially help with the repair process. So I could see how that could be a hard, like shift in mindset to be like, I need to kind of completely i need to mitigate the damage that food could do versus like this is still helping me get better exactly and yeah i want to talk about the consistency a little bit because i feel like that's so important and like you did a Mm -hmm. great job of like playing things out but when you were and like you mentioned like your meal schedule and how or just like any meal snack schedule and then being able to kind of adjust that around the consistency of like the frequency in which you're eating so when you were doing that for when you kind of had to shift your activity level, did you go by intuition, like how you were feeling or was it more quantitative? Like I am able to do this much, so I should need to eat this much. Or how did you kind of manage that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of it was based off of, you know, it wasn't as quantitative, uh, yeah, quantitative. Like I wasn't tracking um, my food intake from like a um, a, a numerical or macro standpoint, or really looking at calories. Um, I didn't feel like I, ne- I got to that point where I like needed help in that way, but I just felt like, you know, going off of hunger, right? Like, you know, obviously if you're hungry, that's not going to, it's not going to go away um, mm-hmm. just on its own, right? You mm-hmm. need to be eating something, but really focusing on food quality during that time will really help you determine if your hunger's from boredom or because you didn't eat a a satisfying enough meal or snack earlier, or if you really are like, you know, your, your, your body needs nutrients. And so obviously like if we are eating more 
ultra processed foods or, or, um, foods that just are lacking a lot of nutrients it's, that can increase our hunger when, uh, we actually are eating quite a bit of energy you know, taking in quite a bit of energy. Right. And so I think that's where like your, if your regular meals are focused on, you know, there is a lean protein source there, there is some, some color, there's some color included in there. It's very unlikely that you're just going to hunger is going to come up out of nowhere. Um, if you're eating a fairly balanced meal. So it wasn't as quantitative for me, but like I said, if I'm eating fairly regularly throughout the day, like at least three meals, right? So breakfast, lunch, dinner, those are spaced out. You know, there's definitely several hours between those, maybe four or five hours. So then if it's, you know, a snack in between in the in mid morning and in the mid afternoon, I mean, I'm eating every two or three hours. And again, it's really looking at, um, you know, what do I have going on in the rest of my day? I tried to with my training, I still tried to keep my same gym schedule too. I was like, okay, mm. like I'm still training, you know, I'm, it's the afternoon, it's three o'clock. I'm going to meet and go, you know, meet my husband and go to the gym and I'm still going to be there for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half or whatever that looks that used to look like. And now I'm going to fill that time. I think that was really important now that I'm talking out loud about this. Like it was very important to still keep that routine. Even if my output wasn't the same, um, during that hour and a half gym time, like I still wanted to fill it with ways that I could, right. Get creative. Like I was looking around, I was using machines and pieces of the gym that like, I never would have touched earlier. Like <laughs> I, I say this a lot, but I pull downs and yeah, <laughs> all the machines that I used to just think they were, they were for old people. I really did. I was just like, Oh, well, like, must, like, you know, that's, I'm never going to go over there. And that's where like, having that open-mindedness of like, you know, being, being able to venture into, um, new exercises and realize like actually machines are great because they can isolate certain muscle groups, which, you know, when you can't use your leg, like one of your legs, like, and being able to isolate an upper body movement or an abdominal movement or do single leg stuff. Like, honestly, I was able to get quite a bit of lower body in even week two after surgery, because I was doing all single leg stuff on the hmm. machine, single leg, you know, single leg press, single leg, hamstring curl, quad extension, um, I don't know. There's so many cool machines at the gym, at least that I found where I'm like, wow, this is, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, I get it. Make it work. We're I really get it now. Yeah. And that's one piece that'll be interesting to see as you continue to build back and, and you're already kind of coming back. Like we, <clears throat> we talked before you did pretty well in the battle bunker, like qualifier mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like, and you're not that far out. So it'd be interesting to see how these, how like maybe these isolation movements maybe kind of shored up some yeah. things that you might've missed in the past and how you might come back stronger. Because I always feel like there's some sort of learning in injury. Like you just, if you're going to be, and I was fired up when you were talking, even just like, I didn't change anything. I still was training. I still went, yeah. kept my routine. I was still going to do what I wanted, like what I could do. Like, yeah. I think that's amazing. And it's a great way to learn some different av avenues of training and, and what you're going to be able to do. So I'm going to be interested to see like how you come back as an athlete. Thank you. Well, I, you know, honestly, I feel I'm seven months post-op. Um, I feel so strong right now. Like it's, it's pretty, it, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool to start easing back into more of like my training style that I was doing before being injured, you know, having used, been doing a lot of like isolation movements and bodybuilding and, and, um, you know, and machine work in this kind of recovery period. But like, you know, I, for battle bunker, that was at the six month post-op mark, post-op mark. I started running at four months post-op 
and, you know, ran a sub six minute mile, which for me, you know, that's pretty good. Like yeah. I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I just, you know, was able to do that. And I was, and, and I was pretty impressed about that. Um, and I'm, you know, starting to build up mileage and have a, add a couple more days of like distance days. Um, but I actually, the, the one thing that the one cardio piece that I was able to do much earlier before that four month mark was walk like incline walking on the treadmill. Hmm. I did a lot of that, just zone two, like get my heart rate up a little that's bit. Some, that's some bodybuilding stuff. Get, some body- <laughs> get on there, get your neat up. Yeah, it, it was, but you know what? Look, it also felt, you know, I didn't add the ruck obviously for a while because, you know, I wasn't trying to add that kind of right, right. load <laughs> too, too quickly. But, you know, I just felt like, I, I, you know, yeah, it was, it was pretty bodybuilding like, but it was never for aesthetics. Like it was all, you know, which I feel like a lot of times that's the bodybuilding like, routine is like use that for a bunch of extra calorie burn for me it was like let me get some sort of like sustained high heart rate or not even high heart rate but just like sustained even zone two heart rate and let me just let let me make this transition back into running um a little bit more you know doable a little bit more enjoyable because i it's not like i just skipped doing cardio for (laughs) for four or five months and Um, it worked seemed to have like to be able to come back and go sub six and a mile. Yeah. You know, you, you had to keep some of that base there. Yeah. I didn't do any, like, like I hadn't done, I mean, at that point I was really only doing a couple of days of, of zone two, just slow, low zone two and one ruck, like run, one ruck walk per week. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty cool to experience. And, uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see kind of how this, how this, the rest of this season goes, but, um, but I, like you said, just going back to like our previous conversation very briefly, like I do think that keeping your schedule, I mean, think about it. You go from doing, you know, doing your own thing and then you get this injury that just like flips your world upside down for, you know, it seems like it's the whole, like, you know, my, my as silly as it sounds, like I was just like, what am I going to do? Like fitness is such a big like movement at competing. Like that's just such a big part of my life. I was like, it totally rocked my world for a little bit, but then being able to kind of keep a very similar routine with my day, like the last thing you want to do is have this traumatic, you know, or, or an injury that really shakes you up a bit. And then all now all of a sudden, like you're starting to do different things in your day to day. Like you don't even have a routine anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. I could see how people really like get thrown off as a result of these injuries. If they're thinking like, man, everything's different now. It's like, instead everything, keep it all at the same as much as possible, shift some things, like shift your activities like that you can do in the gym, shift your nutrition to like the types of food you're eating, right? You don't need as much energy, but you need way more nutrients to heal. So like that was, that was a huge game changer for me was just keeping a schedule, keeping a routine and filling it with as best as I could. And on the nutrition side, sometimes when, you know, people want different things from nutrition, right? Like sometimes you, people want to go all in, want to learn it all, do all like s- scheduling everything, counting everything, making sure they know exactly it all. Other times mm-hmm. people don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I kind of tell them like, well, if you're going to do the at the least amount when it comes to like knowing what you're eating, at least just like try to eat the same kind of stuff at the same kind of time. So at least, you know, you can point to something later. It's like, Oh, my workout felt funny. It's like, Oh, cause I ate this when I usually yeah. eat this, at least like it can give you some type of feedback. Yeah. So, uh, so like having the routine is so important. And and I want to ask you a little bit more uh, cuz you mentioned food quality a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting way to to change what you're doing 
when like your energy levels are going to be a little bit lower or your energy demands, I should say. Mm-hmm. And just for someone who might, and maybe from some, from your experience as a coach, is there some confusion or like common like mistakes, I guess people would make when it comes to food quality, where they think like one type of food might be more satiating than another, or like, what do you mean, I guess, when it comes to food quality? And, and could you give some examples of how you would change some things? Yeah, absolutely. And this is an area I spend a lot of time with my athletes in because it's such a, there's, you know, nutrition for health and well being and longevity. Is, and you and I have talked about this before, Rich, but, and I think you and I both feel like we're both on the same page with this, but like eating for general health and wellness, like that's in one little category. Eating for performance um, is in another category. And yes, they have plenty of overlap, right? Like there's still like a lot of the same rules apply where, you know, athletes are very active individuals have higher nutrient demands. So we of course need to be eating plenty of nutrient dense foods, um, to, to meet those needs. But at the same time, we also have a greater, you know, caloric expenditure. And so we need to eat more food. And if Mm -hmm. we're constantly focused as a very active individual, if if you're only focused on eating very clean, nutrient-dense foods, like minimally processed foods that are, um, you know, you know, as close to their whole form as possible. That's great. But for oftentimes what I see with my athletes is that they end up being underfueled more times than not mm-hmm. and deficient in certain nutrients because they're just not getting the amount of food volume. They're, uh, they're not getting enough volume and calories to meet those demands because they're just getting them from sources that make them feel get like they're fuller way too soon than what, than when they reach their actual goal. And so I constantly, it's like, it's like a little bit of a fight with some of my athletes to still emphasize the importance of, of eating nutritiously eating, you know, trying to focus on these whole foods and, and very nutrient dense foods, but also not shying away from some of the foods that maybe pack more calories than they do nutrients. And that's okay. And understanding like you are far better off from a, even a health standpoint and performance wise by just by meeting your energy needs first and foremost, mm-hmm. than eating really, really clean foods, but being under, you know, being under nourished. That's um, like, uh, uh, I don't necessarily know if I would endorse this, but I think I would more than I know, but I, I'll eat some trash. Like I will eat if it's between eating trash and not eating and not eating my energy demands. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not like I'm going to go to Taco Bell first, <laughs> but if that's all there is, I'm eating Taco Bell. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna be like, Oh, well it's supposed to be bad. And like the conversation that generally happens for the like general population, it's like, don't eat white rice, eat brown rice. But, but that's because most people are undernourished. Right. So they need to get all of the, like some more nutrients because that Mm -hmm. is necessarily healthier for people who might not be getting them elsewhere. But if you try to eat 400 grams of carbs and brown rice, it's not going to be good. (laughs) Not going to be good good for your gut. Good luck with it. It's not going to be good. I don't know if you're going to be successful, you know, for sure. Yeah. And that's the thing. And so, you know, so food quality, like food quality is just something or like clean eating just gets thrown around a lot. And I think that like there's, it's so important not to um, like, moralize food like this is good mm. food and this is bad food i think mm. it's really just like understanding where you fall like first of all just having an understanding of what your energy needs are is super eye-opening i think for anyone because then you realize 
hey, like it's even a, even a very short span of time where you're tracking your food intake, if that's kind of the route you want to go to just increase your awareness and get a sense of what you're doing and what your needs are, that will tell you very quickly whether or not like you have the budget for, you know, foods that are really calorie rich and, and nutrient poor, or if you need to be really focusing on more, you know, minimally processed whole foods to meet your nutrient needs and to stay at an amount of calories that is going to support your, you know, weight maintenance or weight loss or body composition goals. So like really when you understand what those need, what your needs are, you can decide for yourself what foods you're going to choose to fit within that calorie budget and still meet your needs or, you know, or if you need to go a slightly more structured, um, you know, food kind of aware approach. And so again, I feel like unfortunately more of the active, my active individuals and athletes are so like, you know, sugar averse or like worried about eating bread or, you know, foods that are really going to be like are so important for them and their performance. Um, but you know, they're a little too, they're too shy of like, they're shying away from certain foods. And then you have the individuals who are, um, you know, maybe not as performance focused, but are looking to lose weight or, you know, recomp from a body composition standpoint. And they're eating too many of those foods and need to be mindful of, of getting more nutrient dense options. So it really, you see kind of the full spectrum. Right. And that's where the context matters, right? Like if you're reading or consuming content around nutrition that is just generalized or meant to meet the most amount of eyeballs, Mm-hmm. Like you're going to miss the mark on what you, what a, you would need as an athlete generally. Yeah. yeah. Generally. Like we don't, there's not a lot of content or information of generally available for people who are training for 60 to two hour long race with a bunch of strength yeah. work, uh, like the whole thing. So it, it's, it's, I could see how it could be easily confused. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there's like every mess, all the messaging out there is, is, for most of your general population who, you know, were fairly sick, unhealthy gen pop, you know? And so it's, I see a lot of that with the struggle with, you know, of course, cause you get active individuals or athletes who still want to look a certain way or change their body composition, and maybe improve it. Um, and so I feel like, you know, it's really, it can get really messy. Or it can be really challenging for an individual just by themselves to figure out, okay, well, how do I adjust my nutrition so that, I can still perform well, but I'm also maybe working toward these body composition goals that mm-hmm. I have. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think it's really important to have, you know, resources or incredible resources to go to to kind of help you get your knowledge there. Otherwise, like you're going to take a really good athlete with a lot of potential who is significantly under fueling to try to reach X, Y, and Z, you know, goals. And, um, you know, now they're not able to perform and, you know, their entire season goes down the drain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, um, your take on this, like when I did have a lot of like body composition issues and related to performance, I would, I would check the scale. Sometimes I would look at it and, and it, more often than not, it would become a source of dread or like the information that I would get from it would kind of weigh me down. It's either because my expectations were incorrect or the um, actual data wasn't necessarily correct. And in my own personal journey for that, I've found getting on the scale more 
has kind of taken that dread or or kind of made the data a little bit more clear to me. Mm-hmm. And now I can just accept it as just data. And mm-hmm. I've, I've, I can check it and, and see the trends and be like, okay, now do I need to make adjustment as opposed to seeing it and then trying to change everything based off of what I thought I should accomplish versus what I might not have accomplished, whatever. Mm-hmm. So what's your, what's your take on the scale? That's a, yeah, it's a, it is, it has to be, it's so personalized, right? It's so personal to each individual. Like I have some, in, some athletes that I work with who are exactly like you said, they're in a, they're in a place where they can weigh themselves put a data point down in, you know, in their journal or their log. And we use it as simply that as a data point for tracking trends, just because one day it's high and one day it's lower, or one day it stays the same. Like we aren't, we aren't fixating on one way in, but rather looking at, av- a, a, you know, a course of averages across several weeks to, to determine these trends. And really understanding too, I think a lot of people don't understand that our body weight is most of the time a fluctuation of fluid balance, you know, mm. change, it, it, you know, it demonstrates changes in fluid balances more than anything from a day-to-day standpoint. So it's not like, you know, you woke up one morning and you're two pounds heavier and you just gained two pounds of fat in 24 hours. Like right. that, that's just not how it works. So it's why, you know, we need to be aware of the trends and having like that um, 20 foot view where we're, you know, we're not, you know, overanalyzing every single little piece, but that's hard for people. And depending on what their relationship is like with their body and the scale and food, this can be something that we utilize and, and work with or something where it's like, Hey, we're not even going to, we're not even going to use the scale. Like we're, you know, there's other ways to track progress, you know, that can be photos that can be measurements that can be, um, just the way your clothes fit. Um, so it really, you know, depending on the individual, we, we may use that. We may not. Um, generally I'd like to at least have a starting weight, right? Cause it's like, if we knew, if we know like before any intervention, we know like this is where you're at. That's good to compare. You know, if we did, we're like, oh, gosh, you know, if you felt like, man, I just feel like I'm really putting on weight or this and that, or like for some individuals, like I just, feel, I feel like I'm, um, you know, dropping weight really quickly or like my performance is going downhill. I'm starting to get injured. It's like, Hey, well, let's hop on the scale and just see like from that starting point, are we, in the same ballpark, are we high, low, right, right. You know, what their goals were coming in that may be good or maybe bad, but I always like to have a starting point, but depending on the individual, we may, we may work it in and we may not. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, it, it's, that's a good point in terms of, oh, I'm, I'm feeling off like, okay, well, let's try to rule stuff out. Mm-hmm. And one of those things could be body composition. And, and a lot of times probably like, oh, you lost this much weight. Like, probably not eating enough. So let's try to bump that up to try to get you in the spot you need. Did you, did you use this in your own practice? Like, how do you use the scale? Oh, like for me personally? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't personally, um, I'll, I'll like hop on every now and then, but like for me, unless I'm in a place where I want to, like, I'm, I'm trying to, for me, I really focus on performance. Like, you Mm. know, my body composition has stayed pretty consistent over, honestly, like, you know, I mean, just looking back in the last five years, like that's probably been something very consistent for me. So more so I use performance outcomes of whether or not I want to, um, you know, hone in more on my nutrition and fueling or take a step back. And I, and that will change over the course of a year. Right. So like, it's like my nutrition's not going to be the exact same, just like your, just like your, um, 
you know, your programming, what you're doing for, for workouts shouldn't look the exact same for 365 days out of the year, True. neither should, you know, your nutrition. And so, you know, depending on what season of the year, like what season you're in, you know, that may require, um, you know, more fueling, it may require more of an emphasis on nutrient density and just focusing on like, so honestly, like this, so for example, like when during my injury state, I kind of accepted that, Hey, I'm not training right now. Like I'm exercising. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to build strength back. I'm trying to, um, you know, have an outlet, a physical outlet each day to stay, to maintain my fitness, but I'm not in training. I'm not following a training program. I'm trying, I'm following a rehab program. Um, and so for me, that season for me, and I'm still kind of now I'm in this season of like winding down on the rehab specific focus and actually like in a peak or training, training to get back into competition. So now like my nutrition is more focused on energy density, fuel, fueling, like making mm-hmm. sure enough on board. Whereas the past seven months or the past, the, the first like four or five months of my post-op was very much so oriented around quality nutrition still eating enough to support that and to support, um, you know, muscle gain essentially, because I atrophied a lot in my leg from Hmm. my knee injury, but more so is like, Hey, make sure that I'm getting enough nutrient nutrients for this recovery process. And like I said earlier, like if we're focused too much on getting, if we're really focused on getting a ton of nutrients, we oftentimes sacrifice some calories for that, right? right? hard to eat as much for me because my expenditure wasn't as high during that period. I could, that was kind of a perfect scenario for it. But now it's like, okay, now I'm trying to still keep some of that nutrient density because that's just important across the board, but definitely have pieces, portions of my day, especially around my workouts where I'm focused on getting you know more energy dense carbs for fueling. Yeah. That's something I'll do for something like that is like oatmeal for an example it's like when things are really ramped up it's like i'm gonna put a bunch of maple syrup in there mm-hmm. right and then it's like yeah. you can usually or like take a that out. portion of oatmeal too you know right there's there's easy ways to kind of to kind of work that yeah and kind of what you're talking about now is using this is something that uh is is really really helpful from an athletic side of things i guess just like as a lifestyle uh, side of things is using nutrition as like a tool Mm-hmm. Right. And that like, you're able to understand where you, the context of where you are and not even like we said before, like the context of like, what's good for an athlete versus what's good for just the general population. Like you're actually using it in terms of like, where am I right now? Yeah. How do I need to use this? And how can I apply that in? That seems yeah. like a, a pretty, I don't know if it's necessarily high level. Cause once you kind of understand it, I think you can like just do it. But if you're starting from nothing, do you find that it takes people like how long do you think it could take somebody to understand on nutrition in that capacity? Yeah. I mean, it, it can, it can definitely take a couple months, but I think too, most people don't under, I, I get the question a lot. Like people come to me and they're like, I just don't know how much I should be eating. Like, I don't, I have no idea like what, if I'm, what I'm doing is right. And I think we, we don't realize that we actually hold a lot of that, those answers just in our, like whatever you're doing now, <laughs> you know, like whatever you've been doing over the last several weeks, days, months, years, like is your baseline. Like, and if, and so the reason, like when I first work with a client, a new client, I'm like, let's get a couple of days worth of your new, like try not to change anything at all about your intake, but give me like a snapshot of like some, like what some days, some typical days look like. And right from there, even though you can do a bunch of 
calorie trackers or sorry, like, um, you know, a bunch of equations for energy estimations, right. Of like what your energy needs are based off height, weight, age, even body composition, like those can spit out, you know, multiply by an activity factor and get some sort of estimated energy intake that, you know, aligns with what your needs are. Sure. That's, that's great. Oftentimes I find that they're very, there's a huge disparity between, you know, what some individuals are consuming and what those calorie estimators come out to, um, or those, sorry, those estimated energy needs or calculators. But, um, people just took a little bit more time to be aware of what they currently do, like what their baseline is. Then it's so easy to, you know, it's a lot easier to make some changes based off of what, you know, the direction they want to go. If you're eating, if you've got a couple days worth of intake or maybe even a week or two, because some people like when you start tracking, it's so easy to just clean things up a little bit, you know, right, right. <laughs> when you look, up. when you're looking at it, you're like, man, you I really shouldn't under, have you end up under reporting quite a bit. That that's, that's true. It's like, that's why it's like, if you did a week or two, you know, probably by that point, you're like, all right, like we're, we're just going to track whatever it is we're eating, you know, right, right. But, that's good point. <laughs> but that is like, you know, it takes, you know, it takes a little bit of initiative, but once you have a baseline, it's like, kind of like what you said earlier, you know, eating similar foods at different times of the day, like you have a little bit of a, of a foundation to go off of. And so if you feel like, man, my performance is really suffering and I just feel like, you know, energy levels are low. It's like, okay, well, let's take the, the baseline that you have right now. If it's very inconsistent, let's just first things first, like, let's start to build consistency. Like right off the bat, before we try anything is like, let's establish some set meal and snack time so that each day doesn't look totally different from the next. And then from there, once you've established that consistency, let's start taking in, like, start trying to notice changes, right? Like notice how your body's feeling, notice what your sleep quality is like, how you feel when you wake up. Are you refreshed? Are you rejuvenated? Are you dragging? Um, after workouts, like, are you consistently feeling sore or are you feeling like you recover pretty well? Um, so there's all these, you know, all these different things that you can take account of. And sometimes journaling about those actually is the best way to do it. Cause then you actually are kind of forced to pay attention. Um, but then from there it's like, okay, well, I'm still, still feel like I'm underperforming, underfueling. So let's, you know, let's increase a little bit of these portions, especially of like carbohydrate throughout the day, especially working around that, you know, your workout window, pre-workout, post-workout, do we need fuel during our workout? Let's start there. Like that's our most active time of the day. And then we can build out from there. And so, or for someone who's looking to like lose weight, it's like, well, let's, again, let's, let's take some Intel. Like, let's see what a typical day looks like. Let's build consistency. Most of the time for someone who's struggling with weight, you know, with, with, um, you know, overweight, a lot of times I, I see that they lack consistency across the day. So even just having a little bit more of a set game plan can make, changes right off the bat with some of their weight. And then it's like, okay, now we might need to decrease some of the portions of it. So for, even for individuals who right. don't want to track their food intake, just even just jotting down some notes or writing out their meals or taking photos of their food intake, like they can get a lot from just using their baseline and adjusting from there um, rather than feeling like they have to like, like go through this whole intensive process just to figure out what their needs are that can be painful, right? It's pain like to do the whole thing. It's like changing everything. It, it, that could definitely be painful in terms of like the, ch- like how drastic things can be, but just like creating some like mindfulness around it more yeah. or less. Like, Hey, just like yeah. think about it. 
and working, you know, of course, like, as you know, you work with people, I work, I work with a lot of people. It's like, you know, having someone to help guide you in this process, especially if nutrition is not your, you know, it's not like, that's not your strong suit. You don't have a lot of background in it. Like, yeah, it can be really nice to be like, you know, have that guiding hand alongside you telling you, you know, like asking you these prompting you to take note of certain things. But at the end of the day, like, you know, when I'm working with clients, like it's so, I, I, I'm not living with you. Like I need to know these things. I need you to be diligent about collecting some of this information. And of course, (laughs) at the end of the day, the more, if, if you are gathering this information for me, hopefully you're picking up on those things. Hopefully it's like, you know, you don't have now it becomes second nature to like pause and think about like, okay, what was my sleep quality last night? Or, you know, what's my, um, you know, how's my water intake for today? Or how did I feel on a scale of one to 10 during that workout compared to like, you know, and, and how, how did that compare to last week? So in the process of it is hopefully, you know, by you undergoing it is you're learning and, you know, in a couple months time frame, I think it's very easy to, um, acquire the tools and the knowledge to do it on your own moving forward. So this is a perfect transition because <laughs> I, uh, I have done some nutrition coaching in the past. I don't have the, the, um, the background like you have, but just like the general cert or whatever, and kind of gone through it. And I've found that it is so beneficial to athletic performance and just like feeling and just kind of taking care of whatever is within your control. This is something that we control mm-hmm. and there's, whole bunch of points throughout the day that we can't control, but it's really hard to do nutrition coaching on top of all the other stuff. So mm-hmm. I found that when I try to lump it in, it just comes, becomes an afterthought or if I try to do it just by itself, it's like, I don't, I'm not, I wasn't able to deliver the type of quality in terms of coaching and direction mm-hmm. that I would want to. And you had this idea of like bringing it to bringing coaching to the hybrid space and you approach me and you're like, what do you think? You, you think it's something that, you, that people in like your programs or on your podcast would enjoy? And I'm like, absolutely. Like, yeah. This is something that I think is so helpful and I just can't provide them for it. So I was thrilled that when you reached out, like, hey, like, look, let's get, let's get something let's for people. Something. Yeah. Let's do something. So we are collaborating with a 12-week nutrition program that's going to be specifically built toward people who want to perform well in areas like Hyrox and Decafit or OCR mm-hmm. and things like that. So what are some of the things that people could expect if they're, if they're interested in taking this on? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's just nice to, you know, I, I think everyone's in a different place with their nutrition. Everyone's in a different place with their season. Like you and I talked about, like it's, there's never a necessarily never a right time or never a wrong time to dive into nutrition. And I think that, um, well, maybe I should specify with that. Like there's, there's never going to be necessarily the perfect time. Like everyone's yeah. lives are just busy. And I think in this OCR hybrid fitness space, there's the, the cool thing. And then sometimes it's not so cool is that there's events going on constantly. It almost feels like it's a year round sport. And so someone's season may be like almost over, you know, if high rocks world championships at the end of this month is like what your primary focus is your a race. Like, you know, that's, that's almost over, but then off season starts. And so, you know, it's, there's important, like I said earlier, with each season of the year, there's different emphasis, like there's a different emphasis with what our, you know, nutrition focus could or should be right. Um, If you are in the peak season training for your, your peak a race is coming up, like your nutrition should 
is, is you know should look a lot different than if you are starting your pre you know your your off season or if you're in preseason. So it's like all of these things, you know, from someone who maybe hasn't taken a deep dive into their nutrition might be curious about just learning a little bit more. Like maybe I'm not ready to commit fully to one-on-one coaching, um, nutrition coaching. Maybe I've just got a lot going on in my life, but um, I'm very curious about how to apply some of these principles, these nutrition principles to my life. Um, And, you know, you and I just decided that it would be really cool to offer a couple different types of levels of coaching um, so that, you know, we kind of cover the basis regardless of where you are in your year and, you know, what you're looking to achieve nutritionally. So, you know, you and I kind of came up with a, a little bit of a tier structure. Um, but you know, our level one, is that cool? If I kind of talk through like, yeah, let's go through it. okay. So like, you know, our, our level one is kind of like for everyone, right? Like ev- everyone and anyone like looking to just learn a little bit more about nutrition. What we'd end up doing is, um, having biweekly group Zoom calls. So these would be live Zoom calls um, with a Q&A session at the end, but got a lot of different topics that I think are really important to focus on for anyone who's looking to just feel better. Obviously, we're going to have a little bit of like a performance focus to this nutrition. You know, this is a performance nutrition program. does not mean that if you're looking for body composition, if you have body composition goals or weight loss goals, like this can certainly help you. But if at the same time, like my ultimate goal, our ultimate goal for any individual taking this program is to learn how to just feel better for better performance, better energy throughout the day, how to Mm -hmm. fuel smartly. Um, So we'll have biweekly. So every two weeks, um, group Zoom call covering different topics like, you know, the first one will definitely be like determining your energy and, and nutrient needs. Like, what does that look like? I'm not necessarily telling you what those are, but I'm giving you the tools and resources to determine that for yourself, walking you through that step-by-step. We'll talk about performance nutrition, pre-workout, post-workout, intra-workout. Um, we'll talk about meal planning. We'll talk about um, like fueling for on the go, like, you know, on the go individuals, everyone's like, go, go, go nonstop. Like, how do we focus on fueling, but not spend hours in the kitchen? Like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course, like we'll get into some race specific race week and race day and carb loading and all that stuff for any individuals who are, you know, gearing up for competition. And the good news is like, you'll have links to these recordings and you can watch these at any time to maybe they're not completely applicable to you, like the here and now, but you know, for, a race coming up, like you revisit that module and, or that zoom call and, and refresh. And it, it's really like, that's a great way just to give people, give people resources and understanding about what they could do to take their performance to the next level. Anybody like really listening to this podcast is what they're looking for, right? Yeah. They want to get better at a specific event. And this is a really tangible way to take this into your control and to just make sure that you're doing everything that you can, because you, you do it during training, you do it during like recovery or whatever, but like the nutrition part is so key that it could really help take, take your confidence and your performance to that next level. Yeah. If you're following, if you're spending money to follow a training plan and you have no regard to your nutrition, or if that's been kind of more of an afterthought, you're missing a huge piece of the equation and it could literally be what sets you apart and, you know, apart from your competitors and take you up to that next level. Um, hands down, like, and, and yeah. you can control it. You can just do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just a little, like just having that understanding and having someone who understands the area and having someone who, you know, is going to speak from evidence-based, you know, nutrition and, and nutritional research, as opposed to, you know, all these just anecdotal, um, right. <laughs> you know, people who've eaten. So then therefore they feel qualified to, uh, share. Here's, here's my, here's my get abs program. <laughs> yes. I've got abs. So you can have them too. Yeah. Just do Eat, what I do. A day, yes. a day of eating. Yes. Uh, so that's, so that, so we wanted something that's very affordable for, everyone across the 12 weeks have the community support too. We'll have a, a Facebook group for just all the signups in this program and we'll have, you know, daily or we'll have twice a week Q and a um, threads posted in there. So any questions you have, like I'll answer those directly, Rich, you'll be in the group too. Um, but just a nice way to, we'll have the Q and a at the end of these zoom calls. So it'd just be nice to um, have some, a little bit of personalization in there. Um, while still giving, you know, just overall, like the big, the, the big portions of performance nutrition, um, like those concepts will all be covered. But then, you know, we bump up to level two. Now we're actually getting a little bit more personalized. So we'll basically take, you know, everyone in level two will have access to the level one, um, you know, group Zoom calls and the Facebook group. But now we're getting a little bit more personalized. We'll actually have um, biweekly check-ins, online check-ins, um, where, I'll, you know, I have a little check-in form for you to fill out. Um, and I will personally message you with my feedback in my coaching platform. You'll have access to my, through that coaching platform, you'll have access to my food and lifestyle journal. So instead of using my fitness pal, like I've actually got a pretty robust, um, nutrition and lifestyle journal built hmm. into platform where nice. you can take photos of your food. You can log it like you would for like in my fitness pal, you can write in descriptions of food. You can, um, log, you know, sleep training, um, mood weights, you know, extra notes. Like it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Cause I can really get a sense not only of what you're eating, but all these other pieces of your day and your lifestyle that, um, go hand in hand with that. Right. So it's so important to make sure that we're not just looking at only what you're eating, but also everything else you're doing in your day to make sure that we're aligning your nutrition goals to your intake. Um, sorry, to your, you know, to your, your training and everything else. Yeah. So if you need a little bit more of like one-on-one accountability, if you're like, ah, I've tried, I've dabbled in this stuff, it doesn't really work for me. Like it would really be helpful to have the, a little bit more guidance from a professional, like the level two is a nice, like transition to that. Exactly. And we'll do like, um, I'll have, my level two participants, I'll have you fill out a pretty in-depth nutrition questionnaire form. I'll have you log a few days worth of your just baseline food intake for me. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll communicate with you and we'll develop a um, kind of a, a, an initial nutrition plan right off the bat based off of those um, parameters. And then, you know, every two weeks we'll have that kind of check-in to make sure if we want to make adjustments or not. And then level three is really everything in level two, everything in level one, but now we're going to do an hour zoom initial consultation to really comb through, um, a lot of those, um, those details with your questionnaire form and your, your baseline food intake. And we'll actually do biweekly calls. So Mm. we'll calls or zoom calls, um, just to touch base and really take a deeper dive into 
what the last two weeks have looked like for you, um, what we want to, you know, goals we want to set moving forward, if we want to make adjustments. And then um, you'll also have access to me Monday through Friday in my coaching portal with, through Messenger. So just a lot, like a, a little bit more, well, a lot more um, communication with me for, you know, individuals who might be looking for more of an intensive um, coaching experience. So on top of like the accountability that you get from level two, you get a little bit more like explanation. If you need to, if you're that type of person that like needs to know the why yeah, or, or has like specific questions about things and like wants that experience, like the level three is going to be right, like right for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I want, like, if you've got a question, I want you to feel like you can message me and, and get a, an answer right away. Or if you're unsure about something, or if you've got something coming up, like we're going to, it's a little bit more like, if, if your lifestyle is a little bit more dynamic and we got to make some adjustments on a more consistent basis and we want to plan specifically for things coming up in, you know, the next two week period, like I just, you, you know, you'll have, you'll have a, uh, you know, direct access to me to fill me in on things and, and for us to make a, changes on the fly. And the timing for this, we're thinking June 12th, which would be a couple of weeks after High Rocks World Championships. I love the timing. This is something that I've done the past two or three seasons where it's like, okay, after a season has completed and I need to look at the next season and what I need to accomplish. And a lot of that for me has been like body composition and fueling oriented. Mm -hmm. So I've done, I've made nutrition changes these past two or three seasons and have had great success in this time frame. Yeah. And yeah. the program is going to run about 12 weeks. And it's also like if DECA is going to be a, a, a key goal for you, it's, it's not so close to that. You'll have plenty of time to understand and really learn how to use, to use nutrition to your benefit to line up for that goal as well, which is in December. Yeah. So the timing for this, I think is like right on. I, I agree because I mean, so it really would spit us out right at the beginning of September. And I mean, how many world championship events or just big races kind of come in that early to mid fall time? I mean, if DECA's December, like that's, you know, obviously <laughs> that's even later, but I always say like the sooner we can apply, you know, I'll have clients or I'll have individuals reach out to me and, you know, they've got a race in eight weeks and they want to like work on their nutrition. And it's like, you know, that's great, better late than never, but you know, we can get some stuff done in eight weeks, but if you, if you have the knowledge and the ability to apply things much earlier and have that carry into, you know, your peak season or your, a, you know, all your A races, like it's only going to serve you better to have more time, you know, more of this time under your belt to apply, um, you know, these nutrition principles. Yeah. You don't want to like roll into a race like six weeks after shifting nutrition. You <laughs> yeah. Know? You might not know what, what like what's actually happened. So yeah. this will give you a real good time to have a good sense of like how it's going to change, like the way you feel, how it's going to change your performance, how you're going to recover better. So um, I love the timing. I think it's a no brainer, especially like the level one. It's just like, you yeah, just can't get if, if at the very least you're just, I would say do level one, like just get the information. You can always rewatch it. Like it's going to be applicable regardless. Like all of these topics will, there will have some applicability across the year, even if it's not like within the next three months. So um, yeah, that's, that's, that's just a no brainer for sure. And it's, and it's coming from coaches who are going to specifically talk to an activity that you're interested in. You're not going to mm. be piecing together stuff from the bodybuilding world or, right. or all these other different elements. Like people have done it and, and have used it like a lot of our own qualitative information and just like the, your coaching experience that you've had with athletes who are specifically in this field, like mm -hmm. it cuts out all the what ifs. And I think it's just, so that's our sales pitch.
Yeah, so. that's what I'm we're, we're, we're being super salesy, but at the same time, like we're both so passionate about this topic. And, uh, you know, for me, like this is, it is, I love, like there's nothing better than working with an individual and seeing them realize their true potential in, you know, w- whether it's, you know, whether it is in racing or if it's just like feeling so good that they're able to perform their daily activities and, you know, their job, even as like a parent or their professional, you know, if, if they're law enforcement, military, like, you know, have a very like high demanding job, like to be able to do that to an extent or to a level that they've never been able to kind of realize before is super rewarding. And, um, you know, I, I just think if more people realize that it was, it had such a big impact then they may be doing it a long time ago. So hopefully sure. here's, here's that little nudge that, Hey, let's, 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 uh, tackle it right now. So smoothing out some details on the the pricing and just how we're going to kind of launch a thing, but just uh, there'll be links. There's a link down in the show notes that can help get you some little bit more information and keep you posted on when things, when this is all going to go live. So make sure you're taking a look at that. If it's something you're interested in and I'll make sure to keep you posted on uh, this very platform so that you can, so you don't want to miss it. But um, I'll tell you the pricing, it's fair, it's affordable. Like, I don't think it's going to, it's not going to go like, break anybody's bank so no, for sure um all right so final thing what do you think about those uh battle bunker workouts i so the the regionals ones yeah did i tell you so i'm super bummed that i can't do it oh you can't do it now so I, I know i did the qualifier my twin brother is getting married on the championship oh, day so you can't know miss that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not gonna miss that but i on, on in october yeah. Oh, okay. So, so I was like, well, you know, obviously I'm not going to go to regionals if I can't do the final. Like, you know, I mean, I would if it was close by, but I'd have to fly and all that stuff. So yeah, the workouts look so cool. I love, I love the workouts. Honestly, I'm like kicking myself that I can't do it, but it's, I like it. Like the Murph idea is great. The, um, with the, like, what is it? The, with the rock and some of the it's um, like shoulder the overhead with a sandbag sandbags i love that gritty like just get to work and you know you have to have some strength but it's also like how quickly can you move it and and uh i think I, i'm excited about them i think it'll be fun to follow along how's your like horizontal pushing how's like your pressing oh i got a, I got a good old bench press that's one of yeah. my favorites yeah that's true what you been... that one, that's one of the what isn't it like a one max bench press uh mm-hmm. one minute for oh, max yeah. reps 135 for women yeah yeah oh, i'm just, Man, that's up. That's in the wheelhouse. I mean, yeah, with no wheelhouse, you'd probably be doing a lot of pressing with the knee. That's what I'm saying. I feel like, (laughs) yeah, this is this. That would have been the perfect, like the perfect competition for where I'm at right now in my return to sport, based off of the last couple months. But it'll come. Our our time. The 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 fun part is there's always there's always seems to be good stuff popping up in this hybrid space, and for sure, just want to be like, yeah, I'm pretty like I'm pretty prepared for that. I'm, I'm strong. I'm I'm fast. Like you know, and kind of just put yourself out there and give it a whirl. That's the nice part about hybrid. Would the deadlift go well too? How would that yeah. Go? Was it yeah. 185 for max reps? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is that what it is? 185? The girls. Two, 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 225 oh, maybe? 225. Oh, yeah, a little yeah, heavier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a little heavier. Yeah. I think that would be fun. I think that's a big separator for sure. Like That's going to kill. Like the deadlift, like, like I'm going to be, I'm able to hang the bench is not going to go well for me. No. Yeah. No, it's, it's something I just never put any focus on yeah. my entire after i mean i did some bro split stuff when i was like 21 but after that i've done nothing so you're gonna be at the west coast one right 
Yeah, San Antonio. Yeah, okay. I'm planning. I know it's not totally West Coast, but I'm planning on it. It's not like I don't think that the fall one works very well with my schedule. One kind of look at what I'm kind of looking at either. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm gonna prepare too much for this regional. And I'm okay. just gonna go like the the Murph one and the last one's just like a straight up run. It's right like that like eliminator one. So right. That, I thought that was that was kind of fun. That's gonna be super fun. I'm not gonna. Do you, you think it's just a continuum? Like you just keep going around the track, and it's just like each lap like yeah whoever that'll be super interesting to see what the strategy is for that yeah because like you want to you kind of have to kind of jostle and make sure you're not mm-hmm. one of the last three so it's going to be it could be a lot of sit and kick and like yeah kick and then kind of recover and everybody kind of comes back and they pick their spots to make moves uh-huh. not me i'm going as hard as i can right from the start <laughs> are you really leave, oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. i'm not gonna leave it up to chance at all and like the running times from the region it's like i i a lot of these guys are super strong like but you don't idea. want to be that first guy who's just way out ahead. Like if if you just need to be ahead of a little bit ahead of the pack, but like you don't want to. I'm right? going like, out. You're, <laughs> I'm gonna lay it down. I'm gonna get way far. Well, it's like I think that the if it was if it's 400 meters, it's gonna be like 2,800 meters total. So if I just ran like a full two wait, mile, wait, maybe oh because of the number of people. Okay, because they're going how, to the last two or the last one. Uh, last last one. So once it gets oh. to the last three. So they take off three each lap, and by three? the time three. Oh, I thought they only picked one off each lap. Not until the last three. Uh, yeah. So if it was like, oh, if it was I closer to a ten, one. if it was closer to a ten k, because that's if it was like twenty two laps uh-huh. and it's like five plus miles, then it might chill. But a two mile, <laughs> you're like, they're not gonna last that long, right? Like the, if they want to come for four hundred meters, like it's gonna be a hard time. I Just, can't wait. I hope. I hope they get some coverage for it because I will be plastered to my computer screen watching that. Yeah. They're going to stream it. So it'll, okay. it'll be, that should be fun, but it's a bummer. You're not going to make it. I know I'm sad, but yeah. it's all good. It's there, all good. There, there will certainly be more. There will be more. I'm looking forward to it, but I'll be cheering for you, Rich. Appreciate it. Uh, well, this was fun. Uh, again, to make sure to take a look at the link down the show notes to get more information or reach out to either or of us. Right? Like, you know, even if it's a social media little message or whatnot, like we'll get you added to the list, especially the early bird sign up, just so we're make sure you've got your spot held. We'll have some limited spots for two levels two and three. So we just want to make sure that we get anyone written down for um, who wants, wants, wants in. For sure. So make sure to link to your socials down below. And so when when would we when will be the next event for you then? You're still just um July. July fifteen, sixteen. I'm doing a, a tactical games in Iowa. Sweet. Um so yeah, which is is which will be fun. It'll be it'll be a good time. I've been focusing on the shooting over the last couple of months, especially and that is one thing. I'll just I know caveat, but like having something that's another focus that wasn't just completely fitness oriented was True. really nice to have because you know you you will, you will need to make some adjustments to what you've been doing and, you know, you'll, you have limitations. So just to have an activity where you're not putting that pressure on yourself is really helpful. Right. Like your skills probably were accelerated where you might not have spent yeah. the same amount of time. Exactly. If you were doing so much fitnessy stuff. Right. Cool. Karina. Well, again, appreciate it. Links to everything down below and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks Rich. Thanks guys for listening.